Would you please turn with me to Genesis chapter 12? It's been a a hot past few days, and hopefully you've had a chance to experience some of the beauty of outside, but also get a break resting on the inside. My wife and I yesterday had the opportunity to travel down and, and, and pick up some furniture. She found a couple chairs that someone was selling online, and uh, we made a day of it and decided to go down and, and grab these chairs. And we uh, got them in the truck okay and traveled about 45 minutes back to the house, and that's where we ran into some problems. As we started to take the chairs out of the back of the truck, we walked up to the front door, and I should have let you know that Tina and I we had a deal when we got started. Uh, One of us in the moving crew was stronger than the other, and one of us in the moving crew was obviously smarter than the other, Uh, (laughs) Tina being the smart one in the group. That's a good combination to have. And she did her part, and I took the heavy part of the chair, and we were going up, and and as she was going through the back of the door, we got about nine-tenths of the way, and we discovered something. We couldn't get the chair through the door. Well, I've been through this before. It's going to be okay. We just have to just turn this baby a little bit, and then we'll get it right through. Now, we had an agreement before we started. And when I said, okay, we're going to turn this thing so we can move it around the corner in this direction, and I said, we're going to drop it to where your left hand's on the bottom, and then automatically I started to go. Well, it was not part of the deal that she was going to let her left hand bear the brunt of that weight. And she didn't say anything out loud, but she said a message with her face when I put so much weight on that. That wasn't part of the deal. Have you ever experienced a deal with someone over an extended amount of time where that person never failed in any aspect of the agreement? Now, some of us have had that opportunity. We've ran into individuals, and and they've kept up their part of the bargain. But typically, if you go through a long period of time with men or women, at some point, one of you in the deal is going to falter in some way. The old expression that uh, men at their best, or the best of men is still men at their best. And that comes through so often. Because you and I struggle sometimes to keep up our end of the deal, or maybe there will be some factors that we did not, fa- that we did not count on. And when we look at that, we can understand that there is a huge encouragement that comes from individuals who make a deal with God. Because when God makes a deal, He always keeps up the end of His bargain. A promise of God is a promise that will never be broken. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 today, and we're starting a new series in the life of Abraham, but I don't want you to be fooled too much by that title. In in, in God's Word today, what we'll see is that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. It is such a wonderful blessing to be partnering with a God that has all power, that can never let us down as far as His part of the deal. All that to take us to Genesis chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's, it's number, page number 11 in your pew Bible. 
And I'm going to give you a summary really quick of the first 11 chapters of Genesis. How long do you think it's going to take me to give you a summary of Genesis 1 through 11? We can do it in four words. Creation, fall, flood, babel. Those are the major events that have taken place up till this point. And it's good for us to know that because this is a major division in the Bible. Here here in Genesis 12, this is a major change, a shift. Before this, we've seen two key players, Adam and Noah, and we've seen creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. But now as we enter this new area of the Bible, there's going to be one character that should stand out to you. I don't want you to be fooled by the fact that we're starting in Genesis 12 and that this is a series on Abraham because there is a main character that you must understand is in this story that is not Abraham. All throughout the Word of God, the story is about Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus will be there in the end. And He is that scarlet thread that weaves throughout every page of Scripture. And God wonderfully desires for all of mankind to worship Him. That is His plan. And this plan was ruined from the beginning, man thought, because of sin entering the world. And what we're going to see with the life of Abraham is the beginning of how God says, I will keep my word. And not only does God keep His Word, but He uses the ordinary to bring about the extraordinary. What do I mean when I say God is going to to keep His Word? We talked about creation happening just for a moment, and then we talked about the fall. This is sin coming into the world. If God says, I'm going to keep my Word, what Word is He talking about? Well, This is a great study for you, a little side study. If you want to look in Genesis chapter 3, after the fall came, and verse 15, that verse should jump out to you. Genesis 3, 15 is that first promise that God is going to keep His Word to make fellowship available with us, sinful man, and a holy God. And God is going to do this through a promise. And He's going to do this by involving an individual named Abraham. We see several things in this story. We're going to cover just the first nine verses of Genesis 12 today. Um, if, if you have a pencil, paper, and can take notes, the applications are numerous throughout this passage. It's amazing how this just jumps off the page from thousands of years ago, from the Old Testament, and this lives and breathes for you and I. The first thing that I see in this, in this man, Abraham, when, that you and I need to apply to our own lives is we need to be willing to let go of the good. We are a blessed people. If you woke up this morning and did not realize how blessed you are, I would ask you just to take some inventory. If you have choices of the meals you're going to have today, if you have choices of what shoes you're going to wear today, you are a blessed people. But sometimes the good life, as some people call it, those blessings, as some people view blessings, can be a hindrance. And Abraham is a wonderful blessing that we see that he was willing to let go of the good 
Look in verse number one, and it's going to give us three things that he would have to let go of. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Let's stop there. So we find that Abraham is approached by God. Abraham was a blessed individual. He had some comfort in life. But I want to stress the point that Abraham was an ordinary person. This should be a huge encouragement to you and to me. Because God doesn't come down and look for the biggest and the best and the brightest and say, this is obviously how I've got to do my work. God works through ordinary women and ordinary men to do His work. But He asks Abraham to give something up. His country that he was familiar with, his family, his kindred, and his father's house, the reputation that they had built. Everything that was familiar to Abram at this point, he's being said, he's being told, I want you to give this up. Do do we like the familiar? Don't, Don't we like that? Through life, as we go and try new things, it might feel awkward at first, but after some time, it's just natural. Maybe you learned by mistakes, maybe you just learned by repetition, but there's something very comfortable about the familiar. The more you do something, the better you get at it. But I want to warn us, there's a big danger in becoming content with the familiar. When you and I get our life to a place where I finally got this where I like it, and I finally got this over here in my life where I wanted it, And this thing over here, I've been working on it for 15 years. I finally got that just the way I want it. And there's a danger zone when we get so comfortable. The devil wants us to be comfortable. Be on guard. And it's not that we're constantly suffering. And it's not that we don't get more familiar with things and more comfortable with things. But to apply this to our life, we need to be on guard that the enemy wants us to be content Content with the level of faith that we have. I've wept over the lack of faith in my life. I've asked God, God, would you increase my faith? This is how great things happen. Not because of how great we are, but because we are willing to be stretched, willing to step out of our comfort zone. Abraham beautifully was willing to let go of the good, but he did this with an expectation of something else. We're going to see here in the next couple of verses that he expected God to give him the best. That's a pretty good trade, don't you think? Trading the good for the best. And the best that he was given would be an unconditional covenant with God, the God that called him by name, the God that would call him friend. There's a covenant that is coming. Look in verse 2. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If you're a student of the Bible, you need to be familiar with this passage. This is the Abrahamic Covenant. This is going to come up again and again and again. And we're going to spend most of our time talking about these couple verses here today. When we look at this covenant, we have to point out in these verses a couple things. 
the best is coming for Abraham, a covenant that God is making with him. And two different places, God says in this covenant what he is supposed to do with it, what the main reason is. The first thing that I see here is it says, so that you will be a blessing. Have you considered that? That the blessings that God wants you to have are there for what reason? So you can be a blessing. He says something else in the end of that passage. He says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Blessed is a, a common word that we'll see today, sometimes on, on uh, you know, wall decorations, sometimes bumper stickers. Uh, we were at the, the fair this uh, past couple days, and there was a place where there was all this woodwork, and I saw the word blessed life, or I am blessed. What do you think of when you think of having a blessed life? Most people think of the idea, I am blessed because of all the things that I have the needs that have gone away, the struggles that are absent. I am blessed because of the things that I have. And God is clear right from the beginning in the Abrahamic covenant, I am going to bless you so that you can be a a conduit, a channel for blessings to flow to others. And you and I today, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we are receivers of that blessing. God blessed Abraham so that he could be a blessing to others. And we sang today about grace. Again and again, we sang about grace. How is it that God is going to provide grace? It starts right here with this one gentleman. And he has to understand that the blessed life does not mean comfortable and it does not mean familiar. God has called him to leave that for the best. And the best is not things that he is doing for himself with the limited amount of years that he had. The the best is very clearly him being able to be an encouragement to give to all the families of the earth. When we fast forward, we find what comes from these people, the Jews. That's where the Jews are starting with Abraham. We will find the wonderful blessing of the Word of God that we're able to read and study today, and we will find the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That will be a blessing to all the earth, all the nations. Him keeping His promise that all the nations will be able to have fellowship with Him. And how is that going to happen? Well, he had to be willing to let go of the good. He had to expect God to give the best. And he had to understand that I am not one that's going to be accumulating, but I'm just a conduit. It's an old song that I grew up with called Channels Only. Does anybody here remember that old song, Channels Only? Let me read you the first verse from it. How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me. Thou hast saved me and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be. Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. 
When we think of the blessed life, we need to think of it as Abraham thought of it. Of it. God made a covenant, and God said the covenant is going to be so that the whole world will be blessed. Abraham teaches us about God's best, and it's not houses, and it's not a 401k, it's not land. The best is being used in this world so that someone else can know Christ and grow closer to Christ. This is the best, being a conduit, not a cul-de-sac, as one theologian put it. Now, let's talk about the Abrahamic covenant for a little bit. This is something that you need to be aware of. A covenant, first of all, is an agreement. I can make a covenant with one of you. We can agree upon something. I'll do my part. You do your part. That's called a conditional covenant. So if I come to one of my brothers here and I say, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. In exchange, here's what you do for me. We promise to do this to each other. That's been going on since the beginning of time. There were covenants. These two kinds, conditional, and then the other kind is unconditional, are very, very important to know the difference. Because an unconditional covenant is one where someone is keeping their part without the other person having to do anything. We've had some weddings in the past few months, and we've got some more weddings in the upcoming months here. It is common that when I go over the wedding vows with the bride and the groom, that we talk about these vows, and I give a little side challenge. I say it's important that when you make this vow before God and before these witnesses, that you're not making this vow to your partner only if they keep their vow to you. So many individuals say, well, I can back out now because they broke their vow to me. And that's why it's important not only to make it to them, but to make it to God. This wonderful privilege of having an unconditional covenant from God. Now, here's what the tradition was back in Abraham's day. And it's kind of it's gross if I can just set you up for that, okay? When a covenant was made back in Abraham's day, what would, t- what would take place is they would oftentimes take an animal and they would divide it in two cut it in half, and then the two parties who were making the covenant would kind of join arm in arm or side by side, and then they together would walk through the two parts of that animal, and they would make a covenant with each other. And the picture, the idea was that if I don't keep my part of the bargain, may I end up like one of these dead animals that was going to be burned in just a moment. Now, I need to tell you about the Abrahamic covenant because it's so interesting And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15 in a few weeks. You can read ahead if you like. But in the Abrahamic covenant, we have this same picture where God tells Abraham to go and to get some animals. I want you to get a heifer. I want you to get a goat. I want you to get a ram. Divide them equally in two. And just like you're used to in a covenant, I want you to put one half over here and one half over here. And at that point in this covenant, what happens is Abraham goes into a deep sleep. And Abraham views God by himself walk through those animals. This was not two people in a covenant and one had to keep his part and the other one had to keep his part. This was God alone making a covenant, unconditional, the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham watched as God walked through. And we see this right in the promise itself. Look at the text. 
How many times do you count the words, I will, there? Go ahead and take a moment to look. Starting in verse number 2, look how many times you'll find the words, I will, as God gives this. I count at least four times in verses 2 and 3. God is saying, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. So it's unconditional. And there are three parts to this covenant. If you're taking notes, write these down. Part of the covenant was the promise of land. Another part of the covenant was the promise of descendants or seed. And then the last part was the promise of blessings. And some will even say redemption. The Abrahamic covenant included these things to God's people. Now, I need to let you know that first one, the promise of land, the Jews have never completely occupied and controlled all of that territory that God's about to show him. They will someday. So, did Abraham experience the fulfillment of that in his life? Well, no, he did not. And even today, when you see the fighting that is going on in Israel, we saw that in the past year, the rockets pouring towards Jerusalem. And when you see that fighting that is going on, this is at the heart of that. So many people with so many religions want that land, and it has yet to be fulfilled that they have completely received and occupied and controlled all of that land. But that day is coming. God is not finished with the Jews. There's a promise of land, a promise of descendants. He gets out in the dark sky. Have you had a chance to look up in the dark sky and see how many stars are up there? Abram gets this message when he kind of asks the question, how how many kids am I going to have? How big is my family going to be? God says, I want you to direct your attention upward. Start to count. Start to count, Abram. How many many stars do you see? I'm sure he gave up, right? It's going to be more than that. We have a God who keeps his promises And we have a God who has made a covenant, not only with Abraham, but with us. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. The next thing that I see from Abraham here that we can learn from is you do not need to fear when you're unable to see. That really is a good definition of faith, don't you think? We walk out on faith when we cannot see what's ahead. Because if you can see it, well, there's really not any faith involved. And this is what you and I should be praying, that God will allow us to grow in our faith and to step out. Look in verse number four. The first three words are so strong. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You need to remember that age all throughout this story of Abraham. 75 when he starts. And Abram took his wife Sarai, and Lot and his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, and we're going to stop right there in the end of verse 5. I want to contrast those first three words there when God tells him to do this. Verse 4 says, so Abram went. I want us to fast forward just a little bit and look at some other giants from the Bible. Because when Moses was approached by God and said, Moses, you're going to go and help my people escape slavery. You're going to go and do a mighty work for me. 
Does it say, so Moses went right away? No, it does not. Do you remember the excuse that Moses had, why he told God that he could not do that? It had to do with his stuttering problem. Had to do that he was not eloquent of speech. So he did not go right away. He did not step out when he could not see it. How about Gideon? Do you remember the story of Gideon? Do you know the expression that we get put out a fleece? That came from the Bible giant Gideon, who the angel called a mighty man of valor. And yet his first response when he is told, go, this is what you're going to do to to deliver my people, his first response is, is, I can't do that. Show me a sign. Show me another sign. There's even another sign that he asks for. The faith of Abraham is amazing. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And you and I need to be growing in this aspect of our lives. With the time that you are given in this world, we need to be growing in our faith and being so tender to the voice of the Lord and being so willing to let go of the familiar and let go of the comfortable so that we can spend our time doing what God wants us to do. And we do not have to be afraid when we cannot see because we are not alone. And that's what every follower of God said. Any, all the major stories of the Bible, when God called them to do something, they would say, I will do it if you will go with me. And you and I have God with us as we go. And that's why we do not have to fear even when we can't see the end result. The next thing that I see here, and we find this through the verses 6 through uh, uh, 9, is that you and I need to be worshiping before the blessings are revealed. I want you to count how many times we find Abraham building an altar in these verses. Start Look at verse 6. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. How many times did you count that he built an altar there? I counted two. Did he have the fulfillment? Who, who were in the land? He's been promised this land. Who did he, who did he see in the land right away? It was the, the Canaanites, right? Is that going to cause God's people some problems in the future? It sure is. And yet Abram worships. He stops and he worships God along the way before he receives the end results. He doesn't wait till the end and say, I'll wait till I have something to thank God for. The worship pours out of him because of the promise. In verses 7 and 8, it says, He built an altar. The land was not clearly his possession. 
And when we look at this wonderful example of Abraham, you and I have to apply in our lives that the Christian life is not about what you get, but the Christian life is about what you give up. He did not receive all of these things in his lifetime. He did not have a huge family. He did not have possession of the land. He could not see Jesus Christ in his lifetime, but he sees him today. And you and I have the exact same promise of God of a wonderful promise of a Savior. Jesus Christ came from the Jewish people, and it was so that all of the earth could be blessed. And He gave up so much in His life, not for what He could get, but for what He could give to others. So what are we supposed to do with a message like this? There's powerful applications all over here. The first one that I want to challenge you with is expect the extraordinary from God. Do you expect that? Is there any aspect in your life right now where you are anticipating something extraordinary? You know, people don't fault you for not doing that, except for maybe the preacher. People don't fault you for being level-headed. Let's be sensible about this. You and I need to be walking by faith and expecting something extraordinary from God because God uses ordinary people to bring about the extraordinary. And then along with that comes the next application. Attempt the extraordinary for God. So Abram went And I hope that that's going to be your story someday. You're tender to what the Lord wants you to do. And even if you're a planner, some of you are planners. You're real deep thinkers. And so you're going to walk through all 15 steps of how you get to the end. God wants you to see maybe step one, maybe step three. You can't see the end result, but then you take the step. Step out in faith so that the extraordinary can be done not by you, but through you. Channels only, blessed Master. And praise the Lord if someone grows closer to God because of your service. And praise God if someone receives Christ because of your heart to tell them about that and to pour into them and pray for them. There's a wonderful Christian who many of you knows. He's passed away now, and he he was the interim pastor at this church several years ago. And I have heard multiple times of him saying to some people in the church and the leaders in particular, men, where is your faith? I can hear those words in my own mind. And I want God to stretch my faith. And I want God to stretch your faith too. Because we have a deal. You, know I have a, you and I have a deal with God. Now, we've seen the Abrahamic covenant. He was promised the land, the seed, the blessings. We weren't promised that. So, what's our deal? Do we have a covenant with God? If you know Jesus Christ, He talked about that covenant when He sat down at the Last Supper And he spoke with his disciples, and he changed that wonderful Passover meal into something new. Do we have a deal 
with God? Do we have an unconditional covenant with God? Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What did he mean by the cup? Well, yeah, they passed around a cup that they drank from, but what was he speaking of? He was speaking of his blood. You have an unconditional covenant with God today. And it will never be the case that you're going along carrying your part and God's going along carrying his part and then he drops it and you give him a look. Come on, God. Why aren't you keeping up your end of the bargain? Now, do you and I miss out sometimes? Do you and I drop the ball? Yes, we do. But the God who we partner with has never once failed to keep one of His promises. You and I have a covenant with a God, the same one who called Abraham, and Abraham was obedient. And you and I today can leave the good for the best. We can step out even when we can't see the future, and we can praise God all along the way, on our way to receiving that wonderful final blessing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, we praise you today that you appeared to an ordinary man in the wilderness so long ago. I thank you for Abram, and I thank you for how you spoke to him, and I thank you for how he was willing. I thank you for how you stretched his faith. And God, we will see in the upcoming lessons that he was not perfect. Oh, the failures, and he would be the first one to admit that. He would be the first one to drop his head in shame saying, I let down my part of the bargain. But we know that your covenant is unconditional. You were not going to say, that's it, that's the final straw, I'm done with you. And Heavenly Father, we praise you today that you never say to us, I'm done with you. Your grace will never end. And we thank you for forgiveness, and we thank you for a life. Would you grow our faith? Heavenly Father, I don't know who, who needed to hear these words today. Someone, you need to grow their faith just to that next step. And it might be something smaller in their life that's the next level. Or it might be something huge that there's no way we could possibly see how we could do that. Help us not to fear the extraordinary because of the wonderful partner that we have moving forward to accomplish all these things for your glory. While we have our eyes closed, I want to ask the piano to play through and I'd like to give you an opportunity to pray. Some clear applications today. Asking God to grow your faith. Stepping out of your comfort zone. Trusting Him that He will never let down His part of the deal. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, that's the first step. In humility, Understanding that you are a sinner which has separated you from God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And understanding that's why Jesus died on the cross, not because of anything he did, but because of your sins and because of your sins and that death that he went through 
we can have forgiveness because he conquered death and conquered sin. And even in this moment, you can pray. You can pray and say, say, God, please forgive me, a sinner. Thank you for Jesus. And I'm not sure how this all works, but would you please save me and help me to be your child? You just start to pray and you let God finish it for you.